Hello and welcome to Connected, a podcast about people, ideas, marketing, technology and everything that's good in our world. I'm ASD, a digital man here at Mediacom. I'm Sue Uniman, Chief Transformation Officer at Mediacom. And joining us in the room is Daffith Woodward. How are you doing, Daff? Hello, very well, thanks. Daff is the Group M Global Lead on Influencer Content and Amplification. Which is a good title. Which is a great title, <laughs> yeah. Um, Inca for short. Inca, Inca for short. Yeah. Um, how did, uh, I'm going to read this literally. It's not my, it's not really how I'd put it. But well, I'm going to read what ASD has written. How did a boy, how did, how did a boy from Swansea end up in a place like this? Um, <laughs> well, yeah, that is all factually correct. Um, uh, I am a boy and I'm, in fact, from, from Swansea. And, and it was, it's been a fairly unconventional route, to be honest, one that's kind of taken me across different continents. Uh, I'm not sure how far, how far back you want me oh, to give start. Me, give the I'll no, give you the full. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll pick it up no, from... I, we, we actually both know Swansea quite well. Cause yeah. I, really? Because my... Um, uh, youngest was at uni there for three years oh really so um i visited swansea like more than i had well, ever done before well, swansea, which is a lovely city it, it may come up a few times in this uh during the course of this podcast so and um, uh yeah. from Cardiff, that neck Born of the woods yeah from yeah. that yeah. neck of the woods yeah. as well so there we go um well like i say it was a fairly unconventional route to kind of take me over different continents uh, i'll start from maybe 2004 after i finished university finished yeah. my undergrad um, Which presumably wasn't at Swansea. It wasn't at Swansea. No, I went to Bath. Bath. And I read e- economics not there. Far. Not, that far, not, not too far. Not too far. But I did manage to get outside of the. The, 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 the typical catchment zone, which is going, you know, leaving home from Swansea, you get to Cardiff, going all the way to Cardiff <laughs> and everyone yeah. that you know from Swansea is also in Cardiff. Yeah. Uh, but or yeah, maybe so, or maybe Aberystwyth, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so casting oh, it a, li- a little further afield, but um, after finishing university, I sort of itchy feet really. I wanted to see the world a little bit, so uh, I took myself off to, to Hong Kong and uh, absolutely fell in love with the place, absolutely loved it. Um, I played rugby out there quite a lot, I was coaching out there. But the main thing that really sort of captured my imagination was the culture and the language. Mm. Um, and I really started to, to focus on the language and to start to learn as much of the language as possible. Now, Cantonese, you've got nine different tones. Very, <laughs> very, yeah, difficult, really difficult very difficult language to, to master. But Mandarin, a little bit easier in terms mm. of um, the tones and the complexity. So I started to, to learn Mandarin whilst I was in Hong Kong. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I might as well do it properly. So... Maybe in my naivety, um, packed my, all my worldly possessions into a backpack, mm. bought a ticket, and enrolled myself into a semester's course, full immersion in Beijing. Yeah. <laughs> so off I went. Um, and I landed in Beijing airport, and I had written out in pinyin, which is like Roman alphabet, of the, the university of where I was supposed to go, mm. and where I was supposed to stay. I took this to a would-be taxi, taxi man, and you know, lots of confused looks. Mm. Lots of power hours later, yeah, they finally found a, someone that thought that they might know where I was trying to get to. So in I went, off I went, and 45 minutes later I popped up in the university where I had miraculously enrolled and where, where I had um, booked my accommodation. The first lesson that I found when I got to, got to the university was, although I booked a room, it was very much a first come, first serve type scenario uh, so it was another four hour wait until I got my got my room and uh, and, and there I was closed the door and I was like what, what have I got myself into here um, but very quickly from there you start start to make friends start mm-hmm. to learn different cultures none of us could talk to each other we had, uh, had people that I was friendly from, with from were there were people from all around the world who'd come for pe- the language people from all, all over the world come for the language very few spoke English mm-hmm. um, there were people there from Kyrgyzstan, from Uzbekistan, from wow. 
from uh, Eastern Russia, from other parts of China yeah. that had gone to, to learn Mandarin. And we couldn't speak to each other, at least for the first two or three months. We, wow. we didn't have a common language to speak to each other. So we kind of found commonalities in playing football, playing cards. Uh, eating. The universal language. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. The, you know, and eating together, and yeah. and everyone's kind of in the same boat. So we kind of went on that journey together, which was which was great. And um, and my my semester quickly turned into a year because the, half the first semester you are just learning tones when you learn Chinese. It's just the tones. You don't actually get into any words or any grammar. So um, so my semester turned into a year, and then a year turned into a couple of years um, when I was working out there. And it was over the time when the Olympics were in Beijing as well, so it was a fascinating time to be there. And uh, when I look back on, massively fondly, a mm. lot of a uh, lot of fondness for for the country. But it was time to come back after five years. Um, enrolled into university again, which seems to be the the way that you move country. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, so study so you for were real academic. Then. Oh, I see. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. But I I, I had harboured ambitions to do an MBA for for a long yeah, time, okay. uh, especially seeing worked in different parts of the world and, and understanding how businesses uh, kind of work and, and grow. Um, so I, I studied for an MBA for a year, Cardiff Business School. Um, back to before, the home Yeah, back to the home country before um, working as a strategic consultant. And that really sort of laid the foundations for me moving into Group M. I moved into to Group M almost six years ago, right. uh, working in the Group M Digital UK team um, in a sort of strategic role, um, working in Jacob Nielsen, uh, working yep. within his team, um, and that quickly turned into almost like a commercial development type role, uh, looking at how we can use n different and new technologies mm. for the benefit of our mm. clients and working with agencies to build solutions for for clients in, and I'm trying to stay ahead of the game because mm. as we know, nothing stays still in this industry yep. for long, um, and that very quickly moved to a couple of years ago when we put in place the building blocks around what Inca is now. So when did Inca launch? Um, so it all started here in the UK at least um, a couple of years ago nice. um, and it really was the brain child of, of some of the guys that I was working with, um, a guy called Stuart Hall who put together just an idea of, of how we could potentially help in this growing industry where we saw a lot more budget moving towards media agencies mm -hmm. uh, and being able to support media agencies and being able to deliver influence content and amplification campaigns on behalf of clients um, and it moved from a very very quickly from a UK proposition to global proposition if you think about social media platforms there are no boundaries um, so looking to reach audiences across different boundaries so um, I was lucky enough to be invited to, to lead it from a global point of view and uh, and the rollout has been has been taking place in earnest very good so on to influencers, they're, they're, they're the hot topic at the moment. So what, mm. what do you think of the myths about the world of influencers and, and content that we need to quash right, right now? I, I think it's probably twofold. I think, first of all, I think there's a bit of a myth that it's unsafe or quite risky mm. form of investment. Uh, and I would agree that it, it is or it can be, but no more so than any other channel. Um, if it's not deployed correctly, then absolutely there, there, there could be risk there. But if it's done with diligence, done with intelligence, with clear goals in mind and a clear understanding of what, what clients will and what they can and can't expect, mm -hmm. then I think it can be a huge, hugely beneficial channel um, with, with very, very strong performance and return on investment. So that's now. What, what do you think the world of content influencer marketing looks in five years' time? 
what the client ultimately expects because there will be an expectation there whether it's articulated properly at the start that's that's part of our job to to find that out really good i want to talk about china a bit okay and uh you were what were you doing for the you worked for the eu i think in beijing i um, did indeed yeah so that's what were you doing for them and then what can we learn from china right now right interesting so whilst i was in Beijing, after I managed to get a, uh, a bit. yeah, after I got, I got a, a part of a grasp on, on the language, um, I was working for the European Union based out, in, based out in Beijing, and the role was very much looking at projects, EU-funded projects, to break down some of the trade barriers, some of the softer trade barriers that would exist, say, for instance, around standards or IP, and the experience there was was unbelievable, just from understanding or being able to see how you can take two groups of people that look at the same thing or look at the same challenge and come at it from completely different angles and that's something that I have sort of taken with me across in into my career because it's the same sort of challenges when you look at look at everything that we look to do when you're growing new businesses and you're bringing people together for for a common cause um, there are always different frames of references different frames of cultural references as well but I think what really brought it to life to me was obviously we were doing everything through a translator or translators. And what that allows, what that really allowed me to do was to, you have to actively listen. You have to listen to the person that is at different points of view um, and, and, and make sure that you've got that empathy for the person that's sitting on the other side of the bit, other bit side like of the desk. like hosting a podcast. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, I guess. Yeah, a, a, a little bit. Um, because th- there are... V- massive nuances with the language and things can be misconstrued or misinterpreted if you're not completely clear around what it is that we're we're looking to talk about and again I think that's why the power of relationships especially in not just China but in Japan and in in many Asian countries is very very strong in that influence Um, so I've tried to take those lessons what else can we learn from from China obviously the the pace of growth is is breakneck over there Um, and continues to be especially in Sort of media, and if you look at the way that the that the the country has evolved over time, moved very much or looking to move very much from a manufacturing export based hub to moving towards more service based um, industries, so consulting and banking and and certainly media. Mm-hmm. So it would be really really interesting for us to understand a little bit more about the platforms that are prevalent in China because they will become prevalent globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that I know a lot of the leadership team have been considering and talking about. Mm-hmm. But I I don't think it's too far in the future where we'll see even more fragmentation in the way that people are consuming media, given the here. huge reach. Here, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, here in the States, given the, the different platforms that people are engaging with. And I think as well... So the, do you mean that the likes <coughs> of Alibaba... I think Alibaba, absolutely, WeChat, Tencent... WeChat. And if you look at how those platforms have have evolved, I would say they they're much more advanced than than what we would be used to. Mm. So WeChat, for instance, would be a social media platform, absolutely. So but WeChat is a bit like WhatsApp, but it, its but origins a, are a bit like WeChat. But, ex- but it's ex- also a bank. It's also a absolutely. So you so you, so you can yeah. buy things. Mm through your WeChat app, yeah. Tencent different Simmer. Different regulations, of course. Very different regulations. Um, different rules about data. Different rules about data, different regulations, but the principle of having social media and that commerce mm. brought together, I think, is very, very strong. You look at where Facebook's moving at the moment with, with Libra, with their, with their virtual currency. Mm. Is that a, a sort of move in the, right, in the similar sort of direction? 
because if you can understand sentiment, you can understand messaging, and you can understand what people are looking to buy and what they're actually buying, that becomes a very, very powerful platform in itself, and 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 is something I think where Amazon have cottoned onto that quite quickly. So yeah, it's 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 it'll be very interesting. Yeah. Um. So that's what's next for the industry. What's mm-hmm. next for you? Oh, great question. <laughs> um, so I think just in terms of the content and the advertising piece, I think we've only well, barely scratched the surface. There is so much more that, that can be done around um, the different platforms we use, the different formats we can create, mm-hmm. the data that comes back from the different campaigns that we're using, and, and pulling all of that planning together, I think, is where in a really strong position as an agency to be lucky enough to to be able to be trusted by clients to invest their, their media and pull in the, the insights that we mm-hmm. see. So that's, that is... Probably, I'm probably still talking a bit more about the about the industry, but I would I would, for me, it's it's. Um, that's what you're. That's what you're focused on at the moment. It's it's being able to drive change and drive yeah. change quickly. Now, Satin talked about this last week, um, and it's having that ability to be able to be agile for clients, mm. because the industry doesn't slow down. It only ever speeds up, and if we don't stay agile and stay stay mm. on top of all the all the changes that are out there in the industry, um, we will quickly get left behind mm-hmm. so with the opportunity to to stay at the uh, front of the game then that's that's what's next for me and I, and I look at things like gaming you know when we're not strong enough in gaming yet but we need to get there I think virtual reality for instance will change the way that people communicate the way that people consume media probably more than TV did back in the 60s virtual reality not, Vir- not augmented reality. I think virtual reality and the and the ability once the technology gets to where I think it, the, where, the where, where it will be yeah. sitting in your front room but having the experience of being at a football match or at a concert mm. I think and, and being with the people you choose to be with I think that's there's a huge potential there now what does that do in terms of our industry as as, as media agencies you, you're basically you're you're segmenting the opportunities you're increasing the, the amount of inventory traditional inventory that's out mm. there or the opportunities mm. for people to to consume it'll become multi-individualized I think so multi-individualized <laughs> doesn't even doesn't mean anything I think you've just <laughs> yeah a yeah a, a new term that doesn't actually mean anything um, I think but you think personalization is going to be I th- even I th- more important personalization will become even more industry. important in our industry that's that's not that's not a new claim I think yeah. we, we, we all we've all been moving in that um, direction um, uh, yeah but the but the means to be able to do it, I think, is, is starting to catch up with the theory. So, absolutely, yeah. Cool. Interesting. On to our regular questions now. So, what's your favourite line from a poem, a song, or a book? Mm. Well, maybe back to Swansea here a little bit. Um, yes. We uh, don't have enough Welsh people. In the <laughs> uh, I haven't gone with a Welsh one, but uh, we are not wholly bad or good who live our lives under milk wood. The slow back, slow black, crow black, fishing boat bobbing sea. The only sea I saw was the seesaw sea with you riding on it. Lie down, lie easy. Some quotes there from Dylan Thomas from Under Milkwood. Um, and for years, I didn't get it. <laughs> when, you know, when you're a child growing yeah, up and, and, yeah. and, you, and you, know, you hear Under Milkwood, it doesn't really make sense. But I think what really did make sense was just like the poetry throughout the whole thing. The and the, bit, yeah. the rhythm, the, 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 the wordplay there as well. Um, obviously, sort of close to my heart, being Swansea born and bred. Actually... 
my grandfather was in school with Dylan Thomas and actually was was in plays that Dylan Thomas wrote whilst he was Did in he school. I don't think I don't think he made it over to to New York, but um, no, but oh, I bet he, he had a drink or two in Swansea. Oh, I would have oh, thought, thought well, abs- absolutely, so. absolutely. So there's a, um, there's a pub called the Poets Corner, isn't there? There is indeed. That's, yeah, that, uh, yeah, on the, that's on the beachfront. Uh, that's that's on the beachfront, and so he sort of grew up in in Uplands, but obviously moved down to Larne, mm. spent a lot of time down there. So, and that's and I you're impressed with my knowledge. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I, I am actually, I am. But uh, no, as well, well, I'll I'll be back this evening actually. So yeah, back in Swansea. Right. So yeah, good. Um, if you were a genie, what five commonly available objects would I put in a magic circle to summon you? <laughs> so, um, first of all, I would say a beach umbrella. You so. not that you'd need one of those very often in Swansea. Well, that's that's what that, that's that's why I'm saying a beach umbrella because I love the beach. I love sitting in the sun on the sand. That's that's my escape. But it can double up quite nicely as a rain umbrella yeah. if the <laughs> if it does become a bit Swansea on us. So um, I say certainly okay, a, beach a, a beach umbrella number just, one. So the beaches in Swansea are unbelievable. The people don't know. They don't understand. No, 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 no don't, I, I, I would. I, I'd agree with that. Fair. I was. Absolutely. I was absolutely stunned at how beautiful that seafront is. Absolutely. And it's very unknown. And then you go down to the Gower Peninsula, and obviously that's an area of outstanding natural beauty. Absolutely, and it's, yeah. And it's it's very famous. But compared with the people that flood to Devon and Cornwall, yeah, it's so. Well, let's not let the cat out of the bag too much, so. right? Because <laughs> well, I, I, you're you're, you know, you're completely I, right. So I, I think the area could do with a little bit more tourism. Really? Okay. Okay. For the um, you're completely right. Sort of Llangeneth and Rossilli, those 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 areas are absolutely beautiful. So yeah, you'll find me down okay. there with my parasol. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Number one. Second of all, chopsticks. Um, obviously the China connection but also Asian food yeah. not just Chinese Japanese food Korean food because that's the whole beautiful. thing isn't it which is that actually I've never been to China but that Chinese mm. food in China doesn't taste like Chinese food here yes it's is uh, it a shock to you when you first um, yeah it was to be honest yeah. um, There are, and it's so regional as well yeah. very different types of food within China I think what we what we would see here would be more traditional sort of Cantonese food. Yeah. Um, people that have left from from Hong Kong, so and do you, south do you of China. Miss the authentic Chinese. Food? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. I go when I go back. It's uh, it's great. There's always your staple dishes that you go for. What so. are they? Like hot pot. Uh, yeah, you go for go for hot pot Xinjiang food. I I love which is from the from the west of the country, which is more like barbecued meats, um, and a lot of the vegetable dishes you don't you tend not to get sort of outside of China. So yeah, all good. Chopsticks, uh, a pair of rugby boots. Uh, I've always played, I've always competed, um, and that feeling beforehand you hate it. Why am I doing this? But then the elation afterwards when you've played, and you know that 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 relief afterwards is great. And um, people say you know you, you know you. You don't stop playing because you come up, become old. You become old because you stop playing. So I'm going to have to lace them back on and, and sort of get back out there again, I think. Um, a pair of headphones. Um, not just to listen to music, which I love, but until recently I was a, I was a closet DJ. Now I've been left out of the closet and I'm just sort of still in the bedroom. So just a bedroom <laughs> DJ, I think we'll, we'll say. Uh, so a pair of headphones, definitely. What, so kind it's of, what kind of tunes do you play? Uh, a lot of sort of house music. A little bit of drum and bass, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, all sorts of genres really. But uh, yeah, it's 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 great. Just a it's a great escape. You I'm just wondering. completely, completely sort of let your mind free of everything that's gone on. So yeah, that's okay. that's great. And uh, my favourite knife. I love love to. <laughs> <laughs> but context. I love to cook. 
So my favourite cooking knife. Um, which is, is like a global. Uh, it to be honest, it's, it's one that I've had for good, for many years. Are hard to come by. Yeah, and it, and it started off probably sort of two inches. It's now probably less than an inch, just because it's been sharpened so many times. Right. But you know, it's good. It's just way. It's just the right yeah. sort of weight. But um, I love to cook, especially in the summer when we have barbecues outside. And yeah, so so that's another sort of passion of mine. Brilliant. Good. Good. So assuming that all living things in your house are safe, what three objects would you save from your house in a disaster? Um, first of all, I'd grab my camera. I am terrible at putting pictures that I take on the camera onto my laptop. So I take the camera, so then you've got, so you've got the memories of, of, of everything that's, that's, that's gone past. Uh, my road bike, um, so love getting out and the freedom it gives you just to jump on the bike, um, cycling into work in the summer, it's perfect. Uh, and finally, probably my notebook. Now my notebook's just, it probably wouldn't make sense to anyone else, but all the ideas, I kind of get them down on paper and try and, and try and map them all out and I don't know where I'd be without it and all the lists that I write of things that I need to do. So those are the three cool. things that I grab. Um, if you could change the industry in one way right now, what would you do? I think, and this is quite a thinker, um, I think we would all benefit from a better articulation of the, of the exchange of value that takes place online between consumers or would-be consumers and advertisers and platforms. Um, I don't think people necessarily have an issue with their data being collected and used, but I think people do have a, an issue with how opaque that is and how people don't understand and it's not being put forward in terms of, of we are collecting this data to do X, Y, and Z. Now that data, that information is out there, mm. but I think... You think better education? I think be better education and being proactive about telling people. Mm. Information because being they've there... Worked, they've and worked it out. Yeah, yeah. But they've generally worked it out when it's in a bad way. Mm. Exactly, and you go, well, I'm not sure what's, what's going on here. You often hear people talk about, well, I've been targeted by this side. Like, I don't really understand. Like, how does that work? Mm. And I think if if it was if it was more available, or if it was being if we were more proactive in putting it in front of people mm. and saying this is how things are done, I think it would make life a lot easier. It would take a lot of the suspicion away from the general public. I think it would make um, our lives as, as as advertisers and as agencies mm. a, a lot more straightforward. Um, and it's just a bit more of an open and honest conversation and trusting consumers to be able to understand that there is an exchange of value taking place and what that is. So, yeah, that's why I'd, uh, that's why I'd change. And then if we were to give you a billboard anywhere, where would you put it and what would it say? Um, well, I pr let's go with Piccadilly Circus. I know it's probably mm. just a random one, but what that does mean is that it's fully digital, so I can time yes. part it, yeah. and I can have 20, 20 seconds of each minute, so I've kind of, so I've kind of played the game here. You've got five messages. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, three, 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 me three messages. <laughs> the, the first one would be the, the message of don't believe the airbrush, basically. So showing images of perception versus reality, and I'd have those next to each other, and saying, yes, this is the airbrush version, but this is the real version. I, I think there's a huge issue with sort of mental health in, mm. especially with, with younger people at the moment and aspiring to almost the unachievable mm. and there's certainly a place for that but let's not lose sight of what reality is and I'd make that clear mm. up, up front um, the second one I would set my second 20 seconds yeah. Yeah. of my minute um, it's just a bugbear of mine I, it would basically just say stop filming concerts on your phone because you, <laughs> I don't know what you mean about that. When you're sort of standing at a concert and all there is is a yeah, sea of phones. Exactly. First yeah. of all, other people can't see it. Yeah. Second of all, you watch it back and it will be rubbish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, just enjoy be it. Be in the moment. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah. So maybe show my age there a little bit. Uh, and the third tw 20 seconds, I'm not sure who would choose it, but I would just put up 
a political fact or some political facts because the amount that we hear no one knows what to believe anymore no no there's so much information out there from all sides and the truth is somewhere in the middle you've kind of got to figure it out yourself so i put some just political facts without any sort of slant or any spin and that would be my third I'm 20 sure seconds we've allowed three messages before no. okay. well, i apologize Invigilator of the rules, what are you thinking? I'm actually alright with it. You if think? you buy in the 60 seconds, I'm, yeah. I'm alright yeah. with it. Okay. Right. I wasn't happy with the multiple lines of Dylan Thomas, but <laughs> because it was Dylan Thomas. <laughs> because it was Dylan Thomas, I had a pass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the only one. Uh, the final question is yes. from the School of Life, the Toolkit for Careers. It's the final question of the box, so you wow. don't get a choice. I don't get a choice. <laughs> I just have to. Out, you can't okay, no. okay. Um, which of these common fantasy careers would interest you the most? <laughs> Now, I could just make up three here, couldn't I? <laughs> <coughs> Landscape gardening, running a small hotel, managing a cake shop. What is what is your choice to uh, tell tell you about you? Hmm. These fantasy careers. I would say landscape gardening. Um, because you get get to work outside. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, you rarely do at the moment. Which I rarely do at the moment. Um. It's physical. There are elements of design and planning, mm. cutting things to size, and creating something, cool. creating something that wasn't there before. So yeah, I would, I would go with landscape gardening. Excellent. What, what would you do, Andrew? I was exactly the same, and for Andrew. weirdly the exact same reason. Oh. It's physical. <laughs> I'd like to be alone. You get to finish a project and design and fi outside. What about you? Cake shop. Cake shop. Cake Wine. shop. Yeah. What I'm sort just, of cakes are we talking? I'm very good at making cakes. Mm. What sort of cakes? Um, well, my signature cake yeah. is just the um, Victoria sponge, but but my my Victoria sponge is second to none. Really, I, I did before I started in advertising. I worked briefly at a cake shop called Georgina's in the Covered Market in Oxford, still there upstairs. Mm. And when I left to join the great world of advertising, they made me spend my last um, month just baking cakes for them to put in the freezer. <laughs> wow. They said that my, wow. my sponges wow. were, were better than anybody's. Now, so. have you heard of a little show called Bake Off? <laughs> uh, uh, I think I think spoiling it with competition. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Definitely okay. cake shop. Thing, okay, well, next time there's a Mediacom uh, sort of like yeah. sort of I, cake I, I bake. Have brought them I will in. be. I, I will be. I'll one. be over. You'll have to let me know. I'll 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 come over for a slice. Beth, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.